Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and super fans discuss the heck out of the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Now, as listeners know, we normally take the last Tuesday off of each month, and that is still the case. We are taking off for our regular podcast, but we have two excited things planned for next week. Caitlin, what are they? Woo! First off, we have a new episode of Baker Soundstage for patrons at the $5 level and above. We will be reviewing The Notebook. And let me just tell you, Caitlin, I was editing that episode today. I have like 10 minutes left. And I don't want to like, you know, toot our own horns or anything, but it's a great episode. (laughs) I love to hear that. I can't wait to listen back. <laughs> yeah, like we, we were we had like very deep philosophical discussions about soulmates. Uh-huh. About like our ideas of like relationships and everything. Like it was it was deep deep discussion. Great movie, great conversation. And of course we cried our eyes out. I know. And I also laughed or uncomfortable moments because that's how I cope with grief sometimes. Um. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so that is uh, next week for our patrons at the $5 level and above. And once you are done listening to our episode on The Notebook, you can join us that Tuesday evening, again, September 27th, for our live watch of Season 3, Episode 9, How a Resurrection Really Feels. And we will be starting the live watch at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So head over to our Discord for patrons at the $2 level and above. We hope to see you there. We really had a great time in our last live watch. So we're really excited about this one because it's such a fun episode. Yeah, fun. It is It is fun. We are going to cry. <laughs> I, I am very, very, really excited about this one. <laughs> I know. So visit patreon.com slash always O-T-H pod for more information. That is patreon.com slash always O-T-H P-O-D. That's next week. Again, next Tuesday, September 27th. But this week we are discussing the worst day since yesterday, the eighth episode of season three, which was written by Mike Harrow and David Strauss, directed by John Asher, and originally aired on the WB on November 30th, 2005. Always and Forever is spoiler free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. regrets sleeping with Chris and worries about Lucas's reaction. She asks Peyton to talk to him on her behalf, but Lucas is hurt and says that he won't make the mistake again, thinking that Brooke is the one. Haley and Peyton tell Brooke to stop hiding and talk to Lucas. Brooke waits for Lucas after the game, but he goes home with Rachel instead. Rachel drives Lucas home, but then drops him off on the side of the road because she doesn't want to be used to make Brooke jealous anymore. Meanwhile, Brooke also goes to Suburban Filth to ask when she will be paid for her designs, but she's quickly disappointed when she finds out that they won't be giving her any credit for her work. Later on, Peyton and Brooke go to the store and steal her clothes. In other news, Karen goes on a radio show to campaign for mayor, and Dan calls in to try to embarrass her. Dan and Deb also go on the radio show, and Dan gives Deb a script to read with all positive things about him. Dan blackmails Lucas into passing the ball to Nathan during the game, or else he will tell Whitey about Lucas's HCM. 
Whitey tells the team that he's retired at the end of the season. The Ravens lose the game, and Dan comes into the locker room and pushes Nathan against the lockers. Whitey threatens Dan to get out of the locker room. Nathan and Haley seem to be making some progress and walk home together after the game. Mouth goes to Karen with video footage of Dan pushing Nathan up against the lockers. And Lucas throws his HCM medication into the river. Sporting its hot too of a cherub. Is that how you say the word? Cherub? Is yes. it cherub? Cherub? Okay. <laughs> anyway, sporting its hot too of a cherub with my jersey number. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. And painting my door black because I'm an emo kid. <laughs> I'm Galen Illinich. Oh, jeez. So... <laughs> So I remember actually asking about that in a previous episode. Um, like, when does does Lucas ever paint the door over? And look, it happens right here. Yep. And which I was reading the IMDb trivia about this episode, and some people were saying that it's a reference to the Rolling Stones song called Paint It Black. Is it? I I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know the song. I meant to listen to it, and I just did it because I'm irresponsible and a bad uh, pop culture guru for this episode. But I just thought that was interesting, and I'm wondering, like, are they just thinking too much into it, whoever wrote the IMDb trivia? I feel like it's just perfect mid-2000s emo kid. Like, <laughs> Lucas is totally that guy in this episode. <laughs> I want to get into the darkness, and I'm going to write my poetry, <laughs> and I am going to be emo. Yep, that's <laughs> totally... basically what it is. <laughs> this episode I, is pretty emo in many ways. It really, really is. Everyone is just plain depressed. Like, everyone is so unhappy that it's hard to be happy watching this episode. Honestly, I think it is the worst episode of the season so far. Oh, <laughs> the <damn>. title. <laughs> title the worst day since yesterday really is fitting to me and i found it so funny the drama queens loved this episode but didn't like the previous two i know the previous two are so much better <laughs> yeah and and i'll admit like i don't hate this episode by any means it's it's okay but is it like a work of art not necessarily i don't think i don't hate it either but when i was looking through like, all my ratings for the episode so far and just, like, kind of refreshing my memory of what I scored everything, it is definitely <laughs> the lowest rating. So there's spoiler alert for the end of this. Oh, it's God. The lowest, Low- it, it's an okay episode. I wasn't super harsh, but... And the lowest rated three, episode for you was, like, a three out of five, probably. So. Yeah. It, it's just okay. We pushed back our recording a little bit, so... I had to rewatch this yet again. <laughs> and I wasn't like excited to. So that's how I felt about it. <laughs> the best way to describe this episode, it's like after a big party and then you're like hungover the next day. <laughs> this this episode is that hangover where you're just you're just sort of vibing and you're just like reflecting like, God, I can't believe that happened last night, <laughs> you know? That is a good metaphor because Brooke, I mean, definitely is hungover from the night before. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just wild. But anyway, let's get into the song that this episode is titled after, which is The Worst Day Since Yesterday by Flogging Molly. And 
I basically related to the title. Um, it's dealing with the drama of the previous day. Notice how I varied my word choice right there. So I didn't use the word yesterday too many times because I know how to change things up. I am creative. I mean, <laughs> in the world of this show, yesterday was pretty bad <laughs> for the characters or at least a lot of them. So this is definitely the worst day since yesterday. <laughs> It, it makes sense. So deep. So deep. No way. <laughs> so, so incredibly deep, I know. But, like, think about it. The fantasy boy drafts, everyone was kind of miserable or because they they were not getting what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Think Brooke wasn't with Lucas and Haley, the date didn't go as she had planned. And now we're in this episode and there's a lot of regrets going on relating to Brooke specifically. Yeah. Everyone else is, and then Lucas is upset because of everything that happened the day before and Brooke sleeping with Chris Keller. So it's just like miserable. So this title is honestly perfect for the content of this episode. It does work. Um, One thing I want to quickly say about the whole idea of yesterday. Um, I noticed a a little plot hole about about the timeline again. Oh, gosh. It must be an episode of Always and Forever when we notice that timeline inconsistencies. What is it? <laughs> so Nathan talks to Lucas and he says, like, oh, I heard about what happened on Saturday night, which, if you remember correctly, the fantasy boy draft dates occurred on a school day because they were in school and they say, like, okay, dates tonight, you pay. Yeah, you're right. So this did not happen on a Saturday night. And like, <laughs> Unless they just happened to be chilling at school on a Saturday. What losers. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't understand that. Because, like, why would they... Why would they not know <laughs> from one episode to the next? <laughs> they just... They don't have their shit together. I'm like, you would think, like, there would be... You, you think there would be somebody behind the scenes just making sure that there's, like, continuity. Well, there should be. I think that's part of, like, the whole writing team is some person is handling the continuity, but right. I don't know. That person was really lacking, I guess, in this series. <laughs> <sighs> for, for real, though. Um, but time has no meaning in Tree Hill. I, I feel like we have to say that at least once per episode or else, like, our listeners won't be getting what they want. Um. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> Back to the song, though, I was using the Eliza Aura method of (laughs) reading the lyrics and trying to read it as a horoscope and applying it to the other characters, and I definitely did do that with some of the characters here. So, this particular lyric, Though these wounds have seen no wars, except for the scars I have ignored. I related that to Peyton, because Peyton is dealing with this trauma of people leaving her, and now she's realizing, like, wait, this is why I've been taking all this bullshit out on Haley. And Ooh. then we see Peyton and Haley become friends again because they had this conversation where Peyton, like, essentially unpacks, like, what she's been going through. But that's a really good connection. I didn't think of that Thank at you. all. Well, that's perfect. Thank you. I-, I try to think of deep things every now and then. <laughs> um,. The other uh, lyric I related to, Nelly. The lyric is, I should go to pastures green that I have yet to see. 
And I feel like that lyric is just uh, representing the fact that these two are going to greener pastures. And it's funny that you said earlier, like, oh, you know, Haley, Nathan Haley, their date didn't really go the way they wanted it to. But I feel like it ended the way it should have ended. Yeah. With them getting the flowers and Nathan saying, the roots are still there. Don't say I never gave you anything. And that was such, I just got chills just saying that out loud. But I feel like that's just the perfect way to encapsulate, like, these two are moving forward. And we do see them move forward a little bit in this episode. Like, the two of them have such respect for each other, so much love for each other. Haley is respecting boundaries, which I will get into that later, because I just feel like the, the fact that Haley is respecting boundaries is just so fucking sexy, and I, like, I want that in a relationship. Anywho, but I don't want to get too off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you had some really good connections to this that I hadn't even thought of. And the one part of the song that just kind of made me think about its connection to the episode. If there's one thing I have said is that the dreams I once had now lay in bed. And Ooh, what does that mean? I was thinking about how that's kind of showing like dreams aren't fulfilled. And I think that definitely relates to Brooke because obviously... She didn't get to go on the date with the person that she really wanted to. And, you know, it was her fault <laughs> at the end of the day <laughs> with the whole mix up. She didn't choose Lucas. Yeah. But still, like, there was a lot of disappointment there. And then she had to go on a date with Chris Keller. And then she makes, you know, the decision to sleep with Chris. And then that leads to now this episode where she feels a lot of regret and, like, shame for what she did. And whether she should feel that way or not she does it's really sad to see but i just was thinking of how like a lot of these characters you know they they have dreams they don't always pan out as they intended and that's just one example i think that's probably the best example in relation to this episode brooke yeah absolutely i was definitely getting like a shit ton of brooke vibes from this episode from this song and the title in general because it basically gets kicked off with her crying saying like stop saying his name because everybody keeps saying chris keller <laughs> <laughs> and then Haley's like he didn't sing to you did he <laughs> and then brooke's like oh my god you guys i'm a groupie <laughs> i love when she said that <laughs> it was so so funny <laughs> I love that he line. He said my clothes were inspired. <laughs> he said that? No, I actually, I think he said my clothes made his pants feel tight. <laughs> oh, that's... I, I mean, like, if Chris Keller actually said that, it's so... Uh, it's, it's gross. And I gotta say, like, um, I, I listened to uh, uh, Peyton's podcast uh, that coincided with this episode, and... Uh, one of the things that, uh, and I know we touched on this in our previous episode with Eliza, um, they talked about how Chris essentially took advantage of Brooke. Yeah. And I, I, thought that, I thought that was interesting because that's not even touched on in this episode or the previous episode, the fact that Chris was taking advantage. And like, and I thought, I thought it was interesting that there was like this uh, complimentary material for the show that did touch on it. Well, it actually was touched on with Nathan and Chris when they were at the recording studio. Because I don't know if you remember, Nathan oh, said, yeah. yeah, Nathan said to Chris, why, I don't have his exact words, but basically, why are you trying to sleep with Brooke when you know she's interested in someone else 
Right. So I think it is touched on in a way. Maybe not directly, but I think Nathan is definitely hinting towards that That Chris, he took advantage or he's, or he's at least trying to, like, stir the pot, I guess. Yeah, I remember that scene, but I still took it as, I, I feel like Nathan should be acting this way, even if Brooke wasn't interested in somebody else, though. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that she was interested in Lucas, like, that's the, that, that's that it's making him say, like, oh, this is wrong. But regardless, it's wrong either way, you know? Yeah. And, like, we didn't see enough, really, of Brooke and Chris to, to even know if that's true or not. I mean, what we know about Chris, <laughs> I guess we could infer, but I don't know. Can, can we really know if he, if he did take advantage of Brooke? Yeah, I mean, the, the, fact, that, the fact that she was drunk and, well, you, know, both kept, like, you know, yeah, but, but, and then he kept like, you know, asking her to get more drinks, get more drinks. And, you know, she, she told him to leave and that he ends up not leaving. We don't see what happens on screen. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Again, in, I feel like in the world of the show, they want us to believe in implied consents. And I feel like a lot of shows from this era, like, really try to push that idea. Like, it is implied consents. But I feel like in the real world, we know this is not okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way it was leading... <laughs> And just knowing what you know about Chris, which is not a good situation to be in. Yeah, absolutely. But regardless, I love when uh, Brooke uh, steals the donuts out of Chris's hands when he shows up the next morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, oh, you have company. Uh, I guess we'll have to share. Because uh, Peyton and Haley are also in the apartment. And then Brooke just like steals the donuts and then slams the door in his face. I just thought that was so funny. Oh, it's so great. I mean, that's the least you could do. Bring donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take the donuts, too. I'm like, hey, I don't want you around, but uh, these are mine. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> but anyway, Brooke is feeling emo, and Peyton's trying to provide her with some support. And I love the line where she says, uh, <laughs> where Brooke says, I'm going to head to the suburban filth. You know, see all my clothes. At least I have my clothes. And the paint's like, bet you wish you could have said that last night, huh? <laughs> Too soon? Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> and on Peyton's podcast for this one, too, like, uh, Peyton talks about how she, uh, she hasn't been the best support system for Brooke, because Brooke is always the support system for her, and now, like, now that the roles are reversed... She doesn't really know what to do, and she keep mentioning. She kept mentioning that Annie song, uh, "The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow," and then Payne's basically like, "Oh bullshit! Like it isn't cutting it." Because I've had plenty of crappy days on sunny days, so it was really, it, it was just cool. Yeah, there were there were some interesting things that Peyton said. I like how she was talking about also, um, basically talking about the concept of of soulmates in so many words and how mm -hmm. like she doesn't believe that you know your knight in shining arm armor so to speak will be there for you to like sweep you off your feet type thing right and i kind of have some thoughts though about that <laughs> maybe in the spoiler segment uh, oh okay 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 <laughs> she, she had a Can pretty you... strong opinion about that you know mm, all right all right do you want to put do you want to put a pen in that? Yeah, we can put a pen right. in that. 
<laughs> yeah, and remember that we have to talk about that because I will probably forget because of my goldfish memory. Okay, I'll remember. <laughs> That's all I'm going to cool. say, though, for, for that. All right, all right. I'm excited. I'm excited. So we got a little bit of uh, Brooks' perspective, and then we also see Lucas being all emo by painting his door black. Yeah, and then Peyton goes to, because Brooke had asked Peyton to talk to him to see if she, you know, could help in any way. And Lucas is not very responsive and basically says, like, he's not going to make the mistake thinking that Brooke is the one ever again. And he doesn't really want anything to do with Brooke. He's crushed. I feel that. I mean, I know that she technically did not cheat. As Peyton said, so. It's just like you weren't, you two of you weren't really exclusive. You have nothing to feel bad about. I feel like Peyton had a lot of validity in saying that. Yeah, which is true. I mean, I still think it's hurtful, though, because, like, we know as the audience, and I feel like he's expressed it to Brooke, too, how much he cares about her. So it is a little heartbreaking to, like, not have that reciprocated, you know? And then right in front of your face, you're seeing that person in bed with someone else. I think most people would be upset about that. Right. And I get it, but the petty side of me also feels like, hey, Lucas is getting a taste of his own medicine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I still, and I don't care the fact that Brooke had sex with somebody else. I don't care. Like, what Lucas did with, even that he did not have sex with Peyton, I still think it is much worse to do the emotional cheating aspect of it. So... I hate it. I hate that there's a parallel right here by trying to make Brooke look worse because she had the audacity to have sex. I hate it. Yeah, no, I agree. It it doesn't paint Brooke in a good light, and I think that is wrong. And I agree that Lucas is getting a taste of his own medicine to some extent. I feel like all of that can be true at the same time. (laughs) Like, Lucas has a right to be crushed, you know? Yeah. And I think Peyton has a right to point out, like, you know, she didn't actually cheat on you. And mm. Brooke has a right to, like, feel regret for sleeping with Chris and also, like, feel upset about Lucas. But she shouldn't feel, like, shame yeah. and guilt about it because technically she didn't cheat. Right. You absolutely. Know? So, like, a lot of and different y- things can be true at the same time, which we've established on this podcast already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I kind of feel all of that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, I definitely 100% agree. Like, you know, Lucas is allowed to be upset, but, like, I don't want, I don't like him being, like, I don't like him having this holier-than-thou attitude about it. And I'm getting that vibe right here. And I think also another thing to point out about Lucas, he, at the same time, is going through a lot with the HCM and, like, you know... Dan's putting this ultimatum on him and then getting his HDM medication and keeping this secret from everyone he loves, basically. And, like, there's there's so much that I think that he's emotionally handling right now that this on top of all of that is... It's a lot. It's a lot for anyone, let alone a teenager. Yeah. I feel that. I have a little bit of space for him. I feel like I haven't said that in a while. Yeah, you have it. <laughs> I have to ground you a little bit when it comes to Lucas, because I know Lucas is not your favorite. <laughs> I, I, I love I love Chad Michael Murray, and he is pretty to look at, so that is all I can say. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, another result of the previous nights. Last night, previous night, what, what, what day are we at now? This is happening in school, so I'm guessing this is Monday, even though the dates happened on Saturday, which also was a school day. Anyway, make it make sense. Regardless, <laughs> Rachel is uh, kind of homophobic. 
in this episode as like revenge for like what happens with uh how like lucas turned her down she she decorates his locker with like rainbow pride flags and the sign do it for the boys implying that lucas is gay oh i didn't catch this really oh yeah oh wow rainbow flags Mm -hmm. huh i guess i just didn't i just one example of me not paying close attention to little details (laughs) And then, and then Peyton says, uh, could be worse. Could say. And then she mentions the homophobic slur that yeah. was on her locker. I did catch that part. So, I mean, you know, Rachel's not doing, like, a hate crime or anything. She's just saying that Lucas is gay, but there is definitely, like, a homophobic undertone right there. And just, let's all fucking do this. Wow. That is shocking, but not shocking at the same time. Oh, man. How did I miss that? Yeah, I had this uh, one friend who, uh, long story short, her, you know, a very real world parallel, um, her boyfriend's fiance, actually, ended up being gay. And ever since then, she, like, started, like, this big, like, smear campaign, and she, she and I, we, we, do, we do not have a relationship anymore, so, like, we're not friends. <laughs> I doubt she even listens to this podcast. Um, but she started, like, this big smear campaign, and I remember, like... You know, toward the end of my friendship with her, there was there was one thing she was sending around. She sent, like, this unflattering photo around of him, and then she put it, like, rainbow flags around it. Like, you know, she sent that, like, in text messages. Ooh. And I was like, this is not sitting right with me. And, uh, and I told her about that, too. I'm like, I feel like you're being kind of homophobic right here. The rainbow pride flag should represent pride in being who you are. And the fact that you're doing this with, like, an unflattering photo is showing that you're making fun of him. And Grant said, like, you know, okay, like, he, you know, he left you and, like, he lied to you. There's a ton of details about this relationship that I'm not, like, willing to, like, really reveal. But it was very problematic. And that actually was, like, the nail in the coffin. Why I stopped being friends with this person, so... Oh, wow. Yeah, there's, I mean, you have a right to be upset about the situation, but that takes it a whole step further. Yeah. So, like, I, when I saw Rachel doing this on the episode, it really made me think, like, this is a lot like what that friend did. Wow. But in other news, uh, Chris gets pushed and slapped, and a bunch of other shit happens to him. Yeah, we already covered the encounter with Nathan. <laughs> and then that ends up in a fight, right? I mean, he just, Nathan just pushes him. Yeah, he him. just pushes him. And Chris does this big dramatic thing where he falls, like, over the chair and everything. Like, Nathan's not pushed you that hard, my dude. <laughs> and then later on gets slapped by Peyton. Uh, which I fucking loved. <laughs> I mean, I guess he deserved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one good thing that Rachel does in this episode, she basically calls out Chris. Um, Chris comes up there and says, hey, you're on my to-do list. And then Rachel's like, you're on mine too. On our make fun of pathetic old guys come in high schools for girls. Which I'm like, hell yeah, you do that. Seriously. The irony of this is that Daniel Ackles is older than Tyler Hilton, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And Tyler Hilton is considered like the old guy. And he's actually he's one of the youngest actors on the show. And I, I just always find out funny how he's you know, he portrays like this quote unquote creepy old guy, but he's actually not old. 
Yeah, that's funny. I'm glad you called him out because it is really creepy that he's in a high school and he's coming up to girls like that. Like, oof. That's harassment right there, just what he said to her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could be arrested for stuff like that. It's creepy. Back when we were in high school, like, I'm sure you knew. Like, do you remember, like, a lot of, like, uh... I feel like it was, like, younger girls, actually. Not so much guys, but, like, they would have, like, these boyfriends who were like, oh, my boyfriend, he's, like, 25. Like, do you remember, like, hearing, like, from, like, young girls saying that stuff? And and I feel like in high school, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, much older. But looking back on it now, we're like, this is creepy and terrible. <laughs> I, you know, not really. There is one person that I'm thinking of that had an old, that I think had an older boyfriend. But I don't think they were 25. That's, that's really old. Yeah. You you remember a lot of people, a lot of young girls having I that remember old of a boyfriend? Least. Like, not, not just like 1920, but 25? Yeah, I remember at least one person. There's one person I'm thinking about off the top of my head right now. He wasn't 25, he was like 23. And she was 17. And even that, like, age gap is kind of creepy i think this person that i'm thinking of was also 18 at that point you know i think it was oh i don't know i mean my memories are fuzzy of this but yes 17 and you you can't do that that's that's illegal how do they get away (laughs) with that that i I don't know i'm not curious about the logistics and i have no idea about the logistics about that um but i feel like we could agree that like it's not necessarily like the age gap that's creepy like so even if it's like 18 and 24 let's think about that that's a big difference than how many how many years is that between 18 and 24 i can't do math this is why i'm a podcaster six six okay that is a big difference than like let's say the person is 25 and 31 25 and 31 is okay 18 to 24 not okay yes it's not just the age gap it's it's the youngest person and what their age is and where they are at in their life. Are they just coming out of childhood? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> versus someone who is 24 who, you know, has been an adult mm-hmm. versus you said 24 and 30 or whatever. whatever. Close enough. 25, 31. Yeah. That's different. That person's been an adult for several years. Um, I agree. Yeah, That's exactly. not a big deal at all. Yeah. My parents are 10 years apart. But it's not like, you know, they met when my mom was 30 and my dad was 40. It's not like they met when, like, my dad was 20 and my mom was 10. That's that's creepy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to think about, like, stuff like that, though. It's like, we're, so we're not, like, you know, mocking the age gap, but you have to, just like you said, think about where the person's at in our life. Agreed. And Chris just creeping around the high school is not cool. Because we don't even really know Ugh. how old he's supposed to be, because it's never clear. But we know he's been out of high school for at least a few years. Yes. I think Tyler Helton was 20 when he booked the role in season two. So I'm thinking, like, Tyler Helton's, like, 21. So maybe he's just playing his age. Yeah, maybe. That would make sense. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, anyhow. <laughs> Do we want to move on to Brooke and her suburban filth drama? (laughs) Sure, why not? This is, like, heartbreaking because Brooke is having the worst day already with all the Chris stuff. And then she goes to suburban filth to feel better. And the lady (laughs) tells her, basically, that, like, she signed a waiver and 
None of her designs are actually hers. She's not getting credit for them. Oh my god. This is like what artists go through when they say, oh, you'll get paid with exposure. Mm-hmm. This is something writers and artists have to go through every single day. And it's why Taylor Swift is re-recording all her albums on the old label. (laughs) So, yeah. I love how you brought it back to Taylor Swift. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. This is really fucked up, though, because, like, I don't even care about the fact that Brooke, like, didn't read the disclaimer. I feel like they're trying to, like, position Brooke as, like, oh, my God, she's so stupid. She didn't read the disclaimer. But... No, like, this should not even be a disclaimer (laughs) in a contract whatsoever. The weird part about this whole storyline is she's literally a teenager working as, like, a cashier at the clothing store. You know? Like, yeah, I don't even know how her designs, like, she had designs and then they got a hold of them and made these clothes so quickly. And they never talked about it with her that she wasn't going to get credit for it. And it it all (laughs) just, like, happened so fast. Just doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. Does this happen in real life though? Where like, can you like actually just like like just work as a cashier and be like, oh look, I have these designs that I'm gonna use for like the whole corporation? And like, I, I don't know, like if suburban for, suburban filth is like a corporation. Yeah, we have no idea how big it is. Um, it kind of sounds like it would be a, a chain of sorts, but I know it's like when you're in a position when you're in like a a low level position like that where you don't have any rank like you're not a manager you're not working behind the scenes and designing like how did she even have the opportunity (laughs) to share this stuff i worked at retail before i've never heard about an opportunity to like oh you can design clothes like cool i know it's like they don't care about you (laughs) (laughs) they don't care about you at all like you're just there you put in your time and you go home type thing exactly because fuck capitalism you know Mm -hmm. oh retail we both did retail not too fun you did retail i don't remember you doing retail yes i do never mind i just thought of it (laughs) (laughs) i did clothing you did like a A a pharmacy yeah being very vague and not naming the company (laughs) 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 but yes no it's terrible so yeah um Go, Brooke, for (laughs) calling this shit out. Team filthy. (laughs) And, oh my god, wait, the manager, what she says, she said, um, because Brooke is asking, like, what do I get out of this? And the manager says, you get the satisfaction of knowing that she designed something exclusively for suburban filth. And, of course, your 10% employee discount. Wow. What a joke. (laughs) What a joke. The satisfaction. Like, no, give me the fucking money. Exposure is not going to pay the bills, you know? No. Brooke should be like, listen, I'm 17 and I have my own apartment, okay? I need this money. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I just don't get how they even got to the point where, like, she was designing stuff for them and they just took it. Like, I'm just, I know I already said that, but, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Basically, I think we were working for the wrong retail chains, Caitlin. We did not get this uh, opportunity for no. our respective businesses. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 
Anyway, shall we get into some, like, fiery topics? Let's talk about uh, Karen's uh, radio interview. Oh, boy. These are something. Both of these radio interviews. <laughs> oh, yes. So, uh... I like Karen's little sound bite where she says, I find some people care more about being a leader than the people that they're leading. And I just got to put like a big like pleated emoji next to that because it's just so, so sweet. And then, of course, Karen says, go Ravens! Woots! <laughs> She's practicing some of her, uh, <laughs> some of her new lingo that the yummins are using. That just made me think of the very beginning of the episode when they have like that celebration down the street. And then the guy says to Karen, isn't this the best day or something or what a great day or I don't know exactly what he says. And then it cuts over to the girls and and Brooke crying. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Just a deep contrast to the day that's happening on the street and then like they're all in our own little world. I know, sweet Karen, just being happy and then blah, cut to Brooke. <laughs> and the music here, yeah, like I, I forgot what the music does. The music does this bit where it's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like happy cherry music. Brr. Oh, so good. Wow. Karen would be the best mayor. She really would. She's like connected to the community. She has a business. She's just like badass. I love her. You know, everything about mm-hmm. her. She'd be a great, great mayor. She's good intentions. She actually wants, you know, the community to have good leadership. <laughs> and then we have Dan. <laughs> she is legit. And I feel like Karen could play a little bit dirtier. And I'll get into why after we do this dramatic reading. Sure. I see. We're doing a mid-episode dramatic reading now. <laughs> we have a we have a few mid-episode dramatic readings. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh huh. I see that. This seems iconic. We have to do it. So we get a call on the radio from Keith, quote unquote, a mechanic, and oh yeah, it turns out to be Dad impersonated Keith. And Karen knows that. Yeah, Karen hears and she's like, oh, okay. Yep, I know who this really is. <laughs> anyway, do you want to be Dan or do you want to be Karen? And I want your best acting. I think you'd be a better Dan. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I want you to be like really like sassy with me for that last okay. line. Okay. Uh, yes, I have a question for Mrs. Rowe. I'm sorry, Miss Rowe. That's right, you're not married. What do you think about the fact that your business partner has supported your opponent? Yes, uh, that is true. Ironically, my business partner is married to my opponent, so I will have to forgive her her misplaced vote and her lack of taste. Luckily, she has a better head for business than she does for relationships. Speaking of relationships, didn't you have a child out of wedlock? Right. Well, I like to think of it as a single parent who is raising her child to be a responsible man. Unlike the boy who fathered him. And I'm sorry, but like, (laughs) does the community know that Zan fathered Lucas? Yeah. How many people know of the whole backstory? Yeah, because like, this could be used against Dan. Like, look at him. He, they had a kid together and you know what? He fucking left the kid. Yeah, that could easily be used against him. It's all the truth. But then again, like, Dan could, like, go against her and say, like, oh, look, I did try to uh, 
be in his life, as we found out in season one. That whole mix-up about how he tried to be in Lucas's life, and then Karen said no. Yeah, true. Technically, he could use that, but still. Just the fact that, like, Dan said, like, out of wedlock, I'm like, no, Dan was having a child out of wedlock, too. He had two children out of wedlock. It just shows that there's rampant misogyny, which, honestly, I feel like that's just a realistic portrayal. I wouldn't say this is problematic. I think this is just realistic, because this is how the world would view it. And then, of course, like, you know, people would defend it and be like, oh, there's misogyny here. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting to think about what the town would believe. You think so? You think? Are you saying that they would side with Dan? I feel like because uh, we live in a misogynistic culture, probably. Yeah, the wrong type of people would side with Dan. Um, but of course, there would be people who are a little bit more socially aware who would trust Karen and realize there is misogyny happened here. Also, going to the mother of your child and saying one time that you want to be a part of his life. And then just accepting that, moving on, and never trying again also doesn't say good things about you. Like, you're, you're going to yeah. take no for an answer one time, and then that's going to define the rest of everyone's lives, basically. Like, you yeah. could have worked up to that again. You could have tried again and really showed that you changed, and you definitely could have done more. So you're right. Like, Dan, of course, would refute that, um, using that example. Right. <laughs> Because politicians are dirty, and they will exaggerate the stories to make it look like, oh, like, look at me, I was a good person. There's also so much more to the story, and there are so many things that he has done since, you know, season one that have just, the stuff that he said to Lucas and everything is, oh gosh, if they only knew all that. Exactly. And most people, most voters, I guess, really don't always know the whole story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. But after that radio interview, after Dan hands up, Deb comes in and she's like, what are you, 12 years old? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't know how she stands up. I really don't. And she is so ready to leave. And she's, she tells Dan like, or what can you do to me that you haven't already done? And then that's when Nathan walks in. And Dan, what he says to Deb, he's like, I didn't say anything about you. What does that mean? I think he's trying to hold it over Deb's head that he could turn Nathan against her. But I feel like, I, I don't know, like, after after all these years and after all these problems with Dan, I really don't think he could turn Nathan against Deb. Especially with, like, Deb and Nathan, like, uh, coming out of last season when the two of them were going to run away together and, like, leave the house. I feel like they are a unit now at this point. I feel like Deb could have that conversation and be like, listen, um, I'm ready to leave him. He may try to turn you against me. Just don't listen to it. And I feel like Nathan would have the common sense to not pay attention to some of Dan's bullshit. I do have a comment, but I can't say it. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> You're filled with all these fiery comments. <laughs> but Nathan, and, and Nathan even says that, like, it doesn't feel like we're getting out, Mom. It feels like we're staying. Yeah, that was sad. I feel like Nathan knows better. Granted, like, Dan did post-state the divorce papers, which I want to know about, like, the legal... I want to know about the legality behind that. Because can you do that, post-state a divorce paper, and then just say, like, oh, just kidding, I'm not going to divorce you? Because <laughs> I feel like that's, like, what Dan is holding over Deb's head right now as well. I mean, divorces can be delayed so much that, I mean, they probably just are letting things go until that date, and then they can hand that those papers in. I don't know. 
That's a good question. Oh, my God. So after this interview, we get another interview on the same radio talk show, (laughs) but this time with Dan and his lovely, supportive wife, Deb. (laughs) I think you would be a better Deb in this scenario. (laughs) I was going to say, I wanted to volunteer to be Deb. Okay, okay. All right. Well, I think most people in Tree Hill remember me from my days in basketball. Either that or driving around in their cars, courtesy of Dan Scott Motors. But my platform is simple, Dave. Family values. It all starts at home with good parenting, loving relationships. Deb, sweetie, is there anything you would uh, like to add? Um, Dan is everything to me. I trust him with my heart. I trust him with my son. Right. And I definitely tr- <laughs> trust him with this town. There's no better candidate for mayor. Wow, that was beautiful, Deb. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I love Deb reading the script. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Dan just all answer a little script, and she's she cannot say it seriously, and I can't blame her. <laughs> God. And then I love when, uh, right after Dan says, uh, I think I'm going to cry, it cuts to Karen listening to the interview, and she says, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. But it's so good. Like, Deb and Dan, like, obviously you don't want them to be together, but they're right. just so good. Toxic relationship, but it's so, like, it gives us such good content. I'm like, I just want to see them be happily divorced, living in separate places, and just, like, go at each other. Basically. <laughs> Like, from the safety of their own respective homes. I know. But these aren't the only schemes that Dan is pulling off. He also blackmails Lucas to pass the ball to Nathan. What prompted this? I guess just to get uh, Nathan some exposure to the scouts, because there were going to be scouts at the game. Seems really kind of random. I mean, it's not out of character, obviously, but it just seems like it kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now Lucas is like, he either has to pass the ball or tell Whitey about his heart condition, which he doesn't do. So he ends up passing the ball to Nathan. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I just, Dan has to just complicate things again and again. Yep. And he's also buttoned into Nathan's marriage. Or possibly, I'm not entirely sure, because they don't really explain what happens here. Um, but he offers Chris Keller some real money, and that cuts away. We don't know what that real money is about, but Dan's definitely butted in and trying something here. Yeah, I know. We get that one little scene, and then that's it. There's no more explanation, so God, I wonder what that could be. And there's apparently some fan theories out there that say that Chris is Dan's other illegitimate son. Which I'm like, that's kind of reaching. <laughs> yeah, that's really reaching. <laughs> it's like, oh God, they're, uh, you know, Chris is a toxic asshole. Dan is a toxic asshole. Guess what? They're both white men. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, they don't have to be related in order to think that, you know? Yeah, because in that scene, Dan says something. What does he say to Chris? Doesn't he make some comment here about, like, Chris being his son? 
Oh yeah, there is like a little passing reference where here's a that. quick like, little was, thing. They, they were just bonding over the fact that like, oh my god, they're both manipulative and they yeah. scheme and stuff. I would really call Chris a schemer. I think Chris is just an opportunist. <laughs> Dan is just fucking vindictive. Yeah, Dan sits around and schemes. What What is he yeah. going to do next? How is he going to hurt the next person? Um, what's going to help him <laughs> and hurt someone else? <laughs> but you're right. Chris is an opportunist because he just kind of takes what's coming and goes with it. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a really good point. Also, uh, can we talk about the moment when... Uh, Dan lets Chris into the house, and then a vase falls down, and he's like, oh, sorry, uh, a little gift for my wife. And I'm like, are you attempting to murder her? I know, right? And she said later on, when she was getting to the game, because I think yeah, mm-hmm. she was supposed to be introduced with him or whatever, she's like, I had to clean up the vase that fell, or almost like... I don't know, almost cracked my head open, or something like along those lines. Yeah, it almost killed yeah. me. <laughs> Jeez. This isn't funny. This is attempted murder. <laughs> yeah, a vase? I don't know. That That's pretty serious. But whatever. I don't... <laughs> okay, can we move on to happier things? Y- yes. <laughs> we have Nelly with a little heart next to it on our script. <laughs> so, Haley decorates Nathan's locker with, like, a little basketball hoop with, like, these little flowers, like, around the hoop. I know, and he noticed the flowers, too. They're really cute. Yeah, and then Nathan says, this is great, Haley, thanks. And then uh, Haley says, like, okay, I'm going to take off. I know you have to focus on the game, but you're going to do great tonight. And I just love that moment because she is just respected his boundaries. She's like, hey, I just did this nice thing to you. I'm not expecting anything of it. So I'm just I'm just going to take off. I know you have to do your own thing, and that is great. So you have your own thing going for you. Awesome. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that people with boundaries are so fucking sexy. <laughs> like, th- there was this meme. It was a screenshot of a text message that was going around. Um <laughs> And uh, it was like this. It was like this person messaging like this th- their new girlfriend or new boyfriend or new partner, and they said like, um, "Oh, like you know, I just want to cuddle with you so bad. Can you come over?" And then the person responded with like, "There's nothing more I want to do than that, but I have a deadline right now, and I have a million errands to do in the morning, so I can't come over. But soon." And then what's called the response was like, "Yo, I just think that's just so hot. The fact that you have boundaries." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that. <laughs> I for, I forget where I've seen it, but it was just the it was the most wonderful thing to me, and I love that. I love the fact that like you know this shows that Ethan Haley can be successful in a relationship, but they can still have their boundaries and still like you know do their own thing. And I I don't know. I love it. And then we even see it later on Dakota as well when Haley's just like okay, like let me know when you want to talk or whatever, and she walks away. It just completely respects him. It's so great. I know. I can't wait to talk about Dakota. I'm holding back right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that but... part with them. <laughs> what really stands out to me, and I, I agree with you um, about the boundaries, but also what really stands out to me in this scene when she's showing the lock, like the, the locker, the decorated locker, like they just genuinely seem happy and pleasant with each other. We haven't really seen much of that this season. Like, there's no tension. Nathan feels like there's a warmness towards Haley. 
Did you pick up on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like they're referencing the fact that the roots are still there. <laughs> yes. It just takes time. And it's like season one, Nailey. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I got season one vibes. Yeah, minus some of the toxicity. Like, these two have grown together. Obviously, they've grown. I'm just saying, like, the genuineness, the innocence of it. I don't know. I just got those season one vibes. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. It's definitely way better than season two. Season two, they were a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, there was there was one moment that I uh, want to flag, though, um, and we're about to talk about the game day and everything that happens then. Uh, but did you notice that Nathan uh, takes the necklace off that puts the, that has the wedding ring? He takes it off and he puts it in the locker. He takes it off, looks at it, and then puts it in the locker. Like, I'm wondering, is there supposed to be a greater piece of symbolism there? Or was he literally just, like, looking at it, saying, like, wow, like, I have a great thing going. Um, but I'm going to, like, put this away so I can focus on the game right now, which also establishes boundaries, and fuck yeah, boundaries. I don't think you can wear jewelry during a game, so he's. I think he's just taking it off and just, like, noticing it, you know? And there's, like, a moment of appreciation. Oh. I don't think you could wear a okay. necklace like that during during any kind of sports. Not really? Yeah. Yeah, but what do I know? I have no idea. <laughs> but, I mean, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but it could be a little dangerous having yeah, something around like your neck. That. Potentially. I like that. He takes it off in like a moment of appreciation. I like that, yeah. and I'll go with that. That's great. But shall we talk about some of the things that happened in the, in the game day? Just rapid fire. Um, Tim says, like, oh, we're all going to get tattoos after the game, and that's when he gets a tattoo of a cherub with his jersey number. And then Whitey gives him the zero jersey. What was that about? That was just like a big F you, wasn't it? A little bit, yes. And now, like, that's not the jersey number that's tattooed on Tim anymore. Like, I think it's meant to be funny, but it's not It's not really funny. Especially, like, I know I brought this up in the last episode, how they treated Tim as the, the actor, Brett Claywell. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like... That's a lot of that's the behind the scenes stuff, how they kind of treated him like he wasn't really part of every, everything else. You know, you say it does make me think about that. Yes, you were absolutely that right. That to me was like a big F you. <laughs> it's like writing into the mm-hmm. scripts. Like saying like, okay, like you're getting phased out of the show right now. Like, let's get rid of you. Ugh. Yeah, it's two episodes in a row that I've had those feelings, so... Wow. I don't know. It's pretty pretty harsh for a coach to just suddenly give you number zero, like just to change your number. And it's number zero. And yeah. after he's going on and on about his tattoo, I don't know. The whole thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. What, what does it take to get your jersey number changed in sports? I have no idea. I don't know why a senior would be changing their number also. Yeah, and year to year, do you have the same jersey number? Like, has Nathan been, like, number 23, like, since his freshman year? I would assume so. I don't really know why that would change in, like, high school sports, at least. Yeah. So it is kind of weird for Tim to be, to get a change at the last And the fact that it's zero, like, I don't know. To me, that makes it even worse. (laughs) Whatever. What we're saying, Brett Claywell, is that we love you and we think you deserve a little bit better. Come on the pod and talk to us. But uh, Nathan does not get a tattoo. Instead, he gets a shaved head, which I guess James Lafferty just wanted to get a haircut. 
because I, I did I did a little bit of digging. Like it's not like Sophia Bush, like when she got bangs for to do a movie. Um, like James Lafferty didn't really do much acting during his run on One Tree Hill. He didn't do like a lot of like outside acting. I think he just wanted a haircut, and I just thought it was interesting that they wrote it into the show. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like Lucas had the buzz cut, and then now Nathan does because Lucas's hair is a bit longer now. Yeah, or a lot. It's a lot longer now. <laughs> yes, and that was also written into the show because they were pulling a Felicity. But I um I do, I do like Nathan with a shaved head though. He does look good. These Scott brothers just look good with shaved heads. Yeah, I, I like both of them with it. Honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, Nathan gets a shaved head. Uh, Whitey announces his retirements. Chris sends a national anthem. And he gets a ball in the face at one point. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> <laughs> Lucas is like, Nathan, Nathan, give me the ball. And then Nathan, like, you know, hesitates, but then he throws it, and then Lucas dodges out of the way. And you see Whitey gets so mad. Like, no! <laughs> yeah. Because he did assault an audience. Yeah, I know it's Chris Keller, but they did assault an audience member at the end of the day. <laughs> The game's a little bit of a hot mess. Lucas struggles, and eventually the ra- Ravens lose. Sad. Mm-hmm. Very, very sad. And then Dan assaults Nathan in the locker room. I hope you hear my sigh. I do hear your sigh. <laughs> this is something. Like, Dan has the audacity to come into the locker room to push his son up against the locker. It's one game. And it doesn't matter even if it wasn't one game. This is not okay. We do not condone this in any way. Mm-hmm. And I love when Whitey comes out with his baseball bat to defend Nathan's honor. Yep. Unfortunately, I feel like this whole situation speaks for itself. Once again, it's not surprising that Dan would do something like this. Like, it fits his character. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just like, wow, he's really going to stoop to this level now and going to take this out on Nathan after one game. Could you imagine if this happened in real life, though? Like a parent of one of the players comes in and pushes a student up against the locker. You're not allowed in the locker room. Also, that's yeah, really exactly. creepy. You can't have adults just walking into the locker room. Like the coach is in there, but, you know, people just can't come in. And do whatever they want. Yeah, that adds an extra layer right there. I'm like, that could be a, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say that could be a pedophile, but yeah, it could be a pedophile right there. Yeah, it's very, um, very concerning. Gross. And then we have, uh, basically Brooke is waiting outside of the locker room for Lucas at the end of the game and... It also should be noted, Brooke did not uh, show up to the game. No. Because that's how depressed she was. Her first game day that she missed. She didn't show up to school that day, so she wasn't allowed to play in the game. Or mm-hmm. perform. And Did she just perform? I don't think they play. <laughs> <laughs> what, but what is, like, I want to know, like, now, what is, like, the proper, like, I would say verb perform. for that? Do they yeah. perf- or would it just be cheer? Or cheer or perform. I think both. Anyway, listener, listeners, let us know if you were a cheerleader or if you were, <laughs> or if you know any cheerleaders, let us know. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, so Brooke's waiting outside the locker room. Lucas sees her. She sees him. And then he, Rachel shows up at the exact same moment. 
and he asks her for a ride and totally ignores Brooke. And oh boy, you can see the emotion on Brooke's face. I know. It's incredibly sad. But then we see Rachel get a little bit saucy with Lucas. This was a great, great scene. And mm-hmm. I feel like so far, Rachel has been, she's been the villain. That That's how, as an audience, we're supposed to be viewing her, <laughs> I think, at this point. And this, she kind of turns that on its head and you see a different side of Rachel, not that villain. And she is speaking the truth. We're going to read dramatic reading <laughs> in a second. We're going to read dramatic reading. You get me. You get me. <laughs> yes. Can I, can I be Rachel? Of course. <laughs> now I have to be the wanna, jerk wanna... Lucas in this moment. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I just love Rachel. I'm sorry. Unless you want to be Rachel and like get some like redhead representation. <laughs> That's okay. You can do it. Okay, you can okay. pretend. <laughs> All right, cool. You need to move on, Lucas. To what, Rachel? You? To whatever makes you happy. But do it now. Live life for the moment because everything else is uncertain. Take advantage of what's right in front of you. I'm not hooking up with you tonight, Rachel. That is not even what I'm talking about. And it's me who's not hooking up with you. And it's also me who's not going to be used to make Brooke jealous anymore. What? I'm better than that. And I know it. And you can figure it out, too, on your long walk home. Look, Rachel, come on. Out you go. See you at school. That's a really good scene. Because the fact that, like, Lucas is in his own world. And he has a lot going on. Yes. But he is in his own world when it comes to Rachel. He's been using her. It's not been right. And now he still thinks that she wants to hook up with him. I think it's kind of clear by now that she's not really that interested in him. (laughs) I feel like she's made that clear that she's just kind of been along for the ride a little bit. She's she's moving on. Mm -hmm. That she wasn't ever really that serious. Um, Maybe initially she was. But after all of the Brooke stuff and everything, like it was all kind of a game. Yeah, she did say that she was okay with being used to make Brooke jealous, like, initially. But you know what? Now she changed her mind. And you know what? That's okay. You can change your minds. Oh, for sure. And go, Rachel. And are we ready to transition into this coda? Yes. So the song that plays is Song Beneath the Song by Maria Taylor. Oh, this is all dramatic read-ins. Listeners, do you like these dramatic read-ins? <laughs> Are they overwhelming? Please let us know. Yeah, I would like some feedback about this. Are we, is it overkill or is it just enough? <laughs> <laughs> this one is just a lot. I feel like there's just so many iconic scenes. The next episode in particular, like, we're, the next episode is not even going to be a discussion. It's just going to be all dramatic read-ins. Just, you know, be forewarned. <laughs> Jeremy's not even going to need a script. <laughs> <laughs> for one particular scene you will you will find out anyway so we start off on the dark road and that's when rachel drives off and then we cut to the gym and we have a conversation between peyton and brooke i guess who do I you want to be peyton it doesn't matter all right i'll be brooke now that doesn't look like the face of someone who had a good talk with lucas then it's a fitting face for me it didn't go well didn't go. He left with Rachel. I'm sorry, Brooke. Why am I like this, Peyton? How come I only realize what I want when I don't have it anymore? 
Lucas didn't realize what he had when you two were together. People are just... I mean, they're like that sometimes. Well, Rachel's not. She knew she wanted Lucas and she got him. She's probably going to take my squad from me, too. No. Hey, nobody can take anything from you unless you let them. Really? Tell that to the thieves at Suburban Filth. Yeah, about that. Let's go see our filthy friends at the mall. No way. Those are the last people I want to talk to right now. Not exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> and then we go to the Tree Hill High entrance, and it's a scene between Haley and Nathan. I love this scene. Oh my it's so god, good. it might be a top favorite <laughs> Naily scene ever. Like, it's so freaking cute. <laughs> Jeremy's clapping, and that's exactly how that's that's how I feel right now too. <laughs> Just like clapping like a giddy child. And we'll talk about what happens after we do this dramatic reading. Do you want to be? Do you want to be Nathan? Do you want to oh, be Haley? Who do I want to be. I guess it doesn't matter. I want to be Haley. Okay. <laughs> hey, you did a good job tonight. What game were you watching? <laughs> the game where you had the entire team guarded you, and you still made like thirty points. 16 hails. <laughs> the whole team only had 39. Well, it's almost half. Plus, I gave you more because your shots are really hard. That should totally be a rule. It doesn't work that way. Well, it should. Thank you. Did you wait out here for me? Yeah, I I just wanted to make sure you were okay. Are you? Not really. But uh, I do this thing when I play like crap, where I walk home alone and try to let go of it all on the way. Okay. Call me later if you want to talk or... Okay. And then Nathan calls her, like, ten seconds <laughs> later. <laughs> After she walks away, and then she opens the phone with the uh, fucking mobile phone product placement <laughs> that we see very clearly. <laughs> Another name we're not going to mention. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't? Isn't it singular? Yeah, okay, I guess we can use that brand. We're not going to use the orange soda brand, but we will use Singular that brand. Singular doesn't exist. Anyway, yeah. I think it didn't turn into AT&T. Okay, 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 sure. <laughs> sure, I'm going to go with that. Anyway, so Singular, yeah, it's displayed on the phone very clearly, like product placement. <laughs> yep. And I and, and I just think it's so cute when she like looks at the phone, she's like, Haha, I see what she did there. And then the two of them walk off together. It is the cutest, sweetest scene ever. I adore them. They're just giving me so much serotonin in such a dark episode. Him calling her just a few seconds later, like, just made it cuter than if he just said, come with me and walk walk with me home, you know? Yeah, it, like you were saying earlier, like, there was that example of the boundary that was, and then Haley was like, okay, cool. And then she turned around and left, and he really wanted her to come along with him this time around. I feel like it's partially a test and partially flirty. The test coming in to say, like, uh, let's just make sure Haley respects this boundary. Mm -hmm. Okay, she is. You know what? No, I do want her with me. And then he decides to be cute and actually call her 10 seconds later. So I love it. It's really fun. I feel like Haley has been, she's been desperate this season. <laughs> you know, I feel yeah. like that's a good word to describe her. She really has been, and I feel like she's toning that down and letting things, like, happen more naturally. And I agree, I think it was almost like a test of, like, is she going to fight this in this moment, or is she just going to let it go and accept what I said? And, like, in that way, she's also respecting me as a person, you know? 
Yeah, it's such... I'm just, I'm feeling so, I feel like a little bit sad. Not sad, like happy cry. Like I'm, I'm feeling tears coming down because I'm like, this is such a stable relationship. I know it is. <laughs> I, just, I just love it. But a not stable relationship is Pro- Brooke's uh, relationship to capitalism. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke and Peyton steal the clothes from Suburbanville and then they run off. And she's, I, what does she say? She says, like, think of it as my 10% discount 10 times in a row. <laughs> uh huh. And the lady's just standing there in shock that they just took all the stuff. Oh my God. Yep. And then we're at Karen's front door. Math shows Karen the video of Dan assaulting Nathan in the locker room. Now, what will she be able to do with this video? I have thoughts about this for the spoiler segment. I know there's a lot of things that are coming up, but like I have a little bit of (laughs) real life connection, I feel like, to this. Oh, okay. Nothing uh, nothing related to me. <laughs> I was about to say, did you videotape a politician on your singular phone back in the day? <laughs> no, I feel like yeah, I just have a thought. I have a reference I'd like to talk about. Okay, okay, all right, all right. I'm I don't even know if I'm going to remember all these things I want to talk about in the spoiler segment. <laughs> Listeners will let us know. Be like, okay, oh, you forgot to talk about that thing. <laughs> yep. Anyway, then we go to the river court, and Lucas throws his medication in the river as we hear his voiceover from Robert Louis Stevenson. You cannot run away from weakness. You must fight it out, or perish. And if that be so, why not now? And where you stand? So, why is he throwing his medication in the river? Because he doesn't want to, uh impact this game anymore because we saw like scenes throughout where nathan's essentially pressuring him to be like hey your game sucks and it's because he's taking this medication not because he actually sucks at the game he's good at the game for a while there i thought he wasn't even able to get medication and then he was able to get it again and Haley was like giving him a hard time for like trying to keep up in his performance even though the medication's supposed to like inhibit his performance to save his life we've already seen that whole discussion that Haley and lucas had so now like yeah they had a game didn't do well and he wants to throw that into the river i don't know because he wants to keep playing and i remember uh, a few episodes ago i was talking about how lucas wants to keep playing basketball with the ravens because he doesn't want to like lose like his relationships and his friendships and everything that he's gained over yeah. that. And I almost uh, wonder if this is his way of trying to reconnect with Nathan. Because now that his game is sucking, that's Nathan is like, you know, uh, telling him off, telling him like, hey, your game sucks. So maybe Lucas subconsciously thinks like, okay, you know what? If I stop taking the medication, I will play good again. And I will have this connection with my brother again. This connection that I didn't have for 17 years. And then we became good friends. So uh, this is a little bit tragic if that's what's happening right here. Yeah, that's true. There is the brother dynamic, I guess. (sighs) I don't know. It seems very um, like a quick decision he made to throw that in the river. Yeah. And just like Lucas, don't sacrifice your life. Live. Live. All right. 
Shall we get into some of our favorite things? <laughs> yes. What was your favorite quote? I have a few that I wrote down. Oh, an honorable mention that we didn't talk about. I liked when um, they were discussing the team strategy, and then Bevan raises her hand and she says, oh, um, old coach guy? And then she gives, like, Whitey a strategy. She said, well, actually, what I was going to say was, why don't you have Nate cut hard to the strong side, Brandon screen away on pressure release, and that'll free up Lucas on the wing. And then Whitey's like, I said, shh. And he's like, wait, actually, that was a good idea. I loved hearing, like, Bevan just, like, (laughs) really own it and, like, provide this good strategy. I just thought that was funny and cute. Yeah, that was a good scene for Bevan. It's almost like they're, uh... They're taking away scenes from Tim and giving them to Bevan, which I love Bevan. Like, let's give her more screen time, of course, but... Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that, but it's true. You know, Tim is, like, known as, like, the dumb one, and now Bevan is, like, essentially taking that role now. And she does a phenomenal job. I'm not saying... Like, give Bevan Prince more work. Like, absolutely. (laughs) But it's definitely, like, their way of, like, phasing him out and replacing him with somebody else. But anyway, I like that quote, uh, but my favorite quote has to be what uh, Karen says at the end of her interview. I like to think of it as a single parent who was raising her child to be a responsible man, unlike the boy who fathered him. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good comeback. She fucking schooled him, but what is your favorite quote? I love what Peyton said to Haley when basically she was owning up to how how she's been treating Haley, and they were in the car. Oh, yeah. Look, I know I've been a bitch. Please. Brooke's been calling me Peyton Marie Sawyer PMS. I'm just so tired of everyone leaving. They all have really great reasons, but it still hurts. So I guess I've been taking all my anger out on you. Because you're the only one who's come back. Welcome home. That's a really Mm. good one. And I had a Jimmy Eat World song in the background, so (laughs) it was just like full of emotion. (laughs) Yes, that moment when Peyton says welcome home, that gave me chills, because I feel like this is the first moment where, like, Haley is, like, really felt welcome. Like, oh, you know what? Like, you know, my friends are happy to have me back. Nathan's are moving in a positive direction with Nathan. I just love seeing Haley be happy here. It's so good. I know. Yeah, it was, like, the first time, like, they had a really good encounter. <laughs> Finally. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. We liked seeing Peyton and Haley as friends. Mm-hmm. But what was your uh, favorite musical moments? I love the mixtape by Jack's Mannequin. Oh, same. And that played during the basketball game. And also, you see Brooke go to her How I Spent My Summer board, and she takes down all the pictures except the one with her and Lucas. Yeah, that was... I didn't really care much about like the actual basketball game aspect of it, but when it cut away to that, I'm like, this is so good. I love it. And... I do love that song, too. That whole album is fucking great, so... I don't know if I've ever listened to the whole album, but I, I've always loved that song. Oh, it's, it's a good one. Oh, it's it's so good. It's like so many jabs. Dark Blue, Holiday. Oh, Dark Blue, yeah. Checks uh, Mannequin. This is not the last time we hear them on this show. Yes, that is true. <laughs> anyway, what would you say was your rating for the episode? So I gave this one a three out of five tramp stamps. <laughs> <laughs> Cherub tramp stamps. Cherub tramp stamps. Hell yeah. I give it three out of five sexy shaved heads. Ah, I like it. It's okay. It's just okay. It has like a a fair share of good moments, Mm -hmm. but 
like I said, it's like it's like a bad handover where it's like, hey, like you could have a handover and like good things could happen to you that next morning, but it doesn't necessarily make it a good morning. You're so like exhausted and you still feel like shit. So it was just a fine episode. Yeah, it didn't wow me at all. That's my lowest rated one thus far. But I have hope for the next one. Oh, <laughs> uh, there is plenty, plenty of hope for the next one. Stay tuned, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and forever is on twitter instagram and facebook at always oth pod you can also email us at always oth pod at gmail.com i'm jeremy rodriguez and you can find me on twitter at rodriguez jeremy and i'm caitlin illinich and you can find me on twitter at miss i reads outside of following our socials the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts that helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll be seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. Okay, cool. So do you remember what you were going to talk about? (laughs) Not everything. But <laughs> we'll go with what I do remember. And I think these are the main things. So the first thing was the Peyton's podcast episode that we think corresponds. It was what? Episode six? Yes. That corresponds with us. I thought it was interesting how Peyton talked. Basically, she's like saying that there's not always like some one person for you. And like this whole kind of soulmate thing is a lie or whatever. <laughs> But then we have, like, if you've watched the whole series, you know that Peyton and Lucas end up together. And I feel like that is so played up in this whole show of them being, like, soulmates or, like, destined to be together from the the very first episode. Right. So it's just, like, it contradicts everything that I know later about the show. So I couldn't believe when she was talking about that on the podcast episode. Well, it took a while for her to, like, really find Lucas, I think. I know, I know. I feel like in that, like, in the era of season two and season three, Jake was that person for her. Not necessarily her soulmate, but was that person for her. And then I feel like after after all the drama of this season, and then we, you know, have a little bit of drama at the beginning of season four, that's what Peyton realized. It's like, you know what, this is my person. And then, you know what, they happen to grow together. They break up at one point. And they don't stay together, but then they get back together because, you know what, like, just based on where they're at in their lives, they're still good together. Yeah, that's a valid um, response. (laughs) Definitely is, but I just was, like, listening to it, I'm thinking, wow, the way that the show sets this couple up and, like, how they eventually end up together, it's kind of wild that, like, Peyton is recording this and saying these things. That's really interesting to me. That's really just like a short tidbit of a spoiler. It can also be attributed to the fact that she's 
just said she and a teenager mm-hmm. and that yeah. she finds true love and then realizes it's like, you know what? Like maybe I was wrong. I know. And she's like also talking about the whole Brooke situation at the same time too. So like that's all kind of related. Yeah. And then so the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the video that Mouth brings of Dan pushing Nathan against the lockers. And I didn't think about this the first watch, but my watch my rewatch today, I was thinking about how like, does that give you, like, the Trump vibes of that footage that was released? The audio footage? Oh, no. Oh, no. And he's still elected. Just like Dan uh, is. Right. I couldn't get that out of my head. That's a... God, wow. Wow with the real world. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I never thought of that before, but it's so... Because, I like... I, I remember, like, when when the real video was released, we're like, oh, he's done. He's done for. He was not done for. Nope. <laughs> and then the same thing happens to Dan. Yep. So, granted, Dan ends up blackmailing Karen with, like, other things. Saying, like, hey, like, you just stop this uh, smear campaign or else I'm going to tell everybody that Keith tried to kill me. Yeah. Which wasn't even true. I know. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, the next episode... Oof. <laughs> oh my, yeah, Dan gets elected. We, the audience, finds out that Deb tried to kill Dan. Yep. Oh, that scene is so, so good. Oh, the song <laughs> that's playing, Disintegration by Jimmy Eat World. <gasps> you, epic. Epic. What happens to the love we both knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so much. I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched and rewatched that episode. Like, I had it on a fucking VHS tape and watch it over and over again. I don't want to say too much because I feel like I want to save a lot for, like, the actual episode itself. Oh, I know. <laughs> just the sex episode's iconic. It's just so iconic, the scenes that are in it, and it's just the drama. Oh, my God. The final moments of the whole episode are epic. Yeah. Blue. Sky is far, I forgive you. Oh my goodness. Skies. (laughs) Oh, that's another great song. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, there's so much I want to talk about right now and just go off on a tangent. I'm like, I I definitely want to save it for the next Mm -hmm. episode. (laughs) But listeners, just know we are really, really fucking excited to talk about this next episode. There's so much good stuff. So much with every, like, couple and character and just, like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna cut that off because <laughs> we don't want to talk too much about the episode <laughs> in the spoiler segment when we can do it in the next one. So you also want to talk about the rest of the basketball season? Yeah, I found it was interesting that they lost this game and they're so, it's so doom and gloom right now. Like, they're not going to get it together and be a good team this year. But when you think about it, in season four, they win the state championship. <laughs> so yes, they had <laughs> they had a rough start in this episode. Is is this supposed to be their first basketball game? I couldn't understand. They do say I that. I thought they, they did, did say, say that. that. It's the first yeah. game of the season. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know. I thought it was just interesting to point out, like, technically this is the start of the basketball season. And then not until season four... You know, it is the end, and they win the state championship. Yes, they do. Which I can't wait until we get to that either. That's another great episode. <laughs> oh, jeez. We're getting into some good stuff. It's almost like the show is uh, getting uh, resurrected 
So I, I, I gotta say, like, this is how a resurrection really feels. <laughs> wow, would you... That was so unplanned. That's the title of the next episode, <laughs> season three, episode nine. A little overkill. Was that overkill? Just a little. <laughs> okay. Anyway, next time we're talking about season three, episode nine, how a resurrection really feels. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Taking a Chance. Dan and Karen face the voters. Nathan and Chris hold them and fold them in a high stakes poker game. And Brooke launches her clothing line, Clothes Over Bros. We'll, we'll be, be seeing ya. ya. That may have actually been in sync. I think so. Good job. Can't wait to edit it and hear how wrong I am about it. <laughs> <laughs>